The Queen's Jewish Link presents the Jewish Living Podcast, the show that examines the many facets of Orthodox Jewish life. Here's your host, Izzo Zwerin. Well, it's been quite the roller coaster for YU basketball over the last few years. As one of the best schools in Division III college hoops, they are expected to be a contender this season in the D3 tournament in March. The Maccabees start this season riding the second longest winning streak in D3 history at 36 games. Of course, included in that is the abbreviated 2020-2021 season. And here to break down the upcoming season is our guest. Hi, my name is Akiva Poppers. I'm the executive producer at Max Live. Akiva will, of course, be discussing the Max prospects this season, but he will also explain why the Max have such a strong fan base and how the team does so well, even with the demanding academic and religious schedules. Akiva, thank you so much for joining me this week. I appreciate it. Uh, I know we've been waiting on this for a little bit, and we're excited because the uh, roster for the YU Maccabees came out just a few days ago. So uh, thank you so much for joining me. Sure. Thank you for having me on. All right. So I want to get a little bit of background about you personally. First of all, how did you get into covering the the Max? How long have you been doing this? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. It's a good question. Uh, I went directly from MTA, YU's high school, to YU uh, right after 12th grade as a true freshman. And near the end of my true freshman year, I joined Max Live as part of Sarah Trek. Uh, and then starting in my sophomore year, uh, I was a part of Max Live for their YU Max coverage as well. Um, and so the way I got started off here uh, was that I was involved in innovating on our content creation side, uh, which directly sent me going to Coach Steinmetz with a bunch of content ideas. Uh, and so that's how I kind of got uh, into the position where I am right now, where I, I got a lot of, I basically became the beat reporter for the team at that point, uh, was like the insider uh, and gradually throughout the last two years have uh, risen to the position I am now, which is essentially the head of Max Live. So for those of us who don't know what Max Live is, for those of us who maybe didn't go to YU or any college with a significant athletics department, I went to Queens College. So um, nobody who, nobody went there rooting for the Knights. Nobody really cared. <laughs> um, but for those of us like that, what um, what can you tell us what about a, a site or a or a, an organization that specifically reports on on sports, and and what's the difference between that and let's say the YU Commentator, which is the paper? Okay, so Max Live is the official. I guess you would say basketball. In theory, we could cover other sports, but our primary focus is basketball and mostly men's basketball. Uh, broadcast and media home. For I would probably University. say that that's the case about the entire YU athletics department. But yes, <laughs> that is one way to put it. Um, and so at, we're fully student run, 100 percent student run organization founded in 2001. Um, and we are very unique in that sense. Uh, if you look across the landscape, especially in Division two and Division three, um, you will find there is really no other organization like ours. Um, there are several broadcasts for sports teams which are done either by uh, people who have graduated and are now looking to get into the, the field. Um, so for example, at Johns Hopkins, they hire someone who has legitimate experience. 
Um, and there are several broadcasts in which communications department people, students who are in the communications department majoring in communications or media are involved. Uh, but Max Live is the only 100% student run broadcast media home in that uh, we legitimately do everything ourselves, not just on a broadcast side, but also on a content creation side. Um, so that's that's really our unique standpoint. Uh, compared to the commentator, it's very different in that the commentator is, is a school newspaper, um, whereas we're solely focused on really men's basketball. Um, and so we clearly differentiate ourselves in that way. Do you guys do any work together? Is there like a beat reporter for the commentator that you work with or how does that work? I would say the commentator is quite lacking in their sports coverage. They've tried to pick it up in the last few years. Um, I actually drove them to try to pick it up a few years ago and they decided not to. And then once we got on a massive winning streak, suddenly they decided, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe we should be following sports. Uh, but we, we don't work too much in conjunction with them. I mean, they'll check in with myself or someone else from Max Live once in a while to ask something. Oh, we're doing this article. Can we use this quote or whatever? You mentioned it, so we got to get into it. The, the last two years have been really, really impressive in terms of YU uh, basketball history. Um, so let's do a little bit of a, of a recap uh, of the last two years, which kind of ended or barely got started uh, because of a global pandemic. But if you want to give us a little bit of a recap of what, what we've unfortunately had to miss. Sure. Uh, so the journey really began... I would say three and a half years ago sure. um, when the Max made the NCAA Division Three tournament for the first time in their history uh, with a very, very young core, which then became the core as a senior laden team uh, in 2019-20, uh, which I'll get to soon. Uh, the year following the 2018-19 season, the Max went on a 17-game winning streak, I believe, in the middle of the year, um, which is when we saw a massive... Uh, influx of fans who had missed the run in the previous year where we kind of flew a little bit under the radar but made the tournament um, but that season ended in disappointment in the conference championship game 2019-20 um, is when things really started getting going um, we started the year with a loss in California and then went on to win the next 29 games in a row uh, 27 of which were regular season and Skyline Conference tournament games and then two of which were uh, NCAA Division Three tournament games uh, where the Max blew out the two teams who they played as it happened to be it was right at the beginning of March in 2020 uh, and so we went from glory winning the Skyline Conference Championship and not having any issues on our radar to two weeks later the entire NCAA tournament is canceled uh, in the middle of its happening and so we never got to finish off uh, what could have been a very 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 historic season uh, it was a historic season, no doubt, uh, but we legitimately believed that we were the best team in the country um, and uh, that we were we had a, a really legitimate shot of winning the national tournament um, that year. And the 2020-21 season was a very weird one uh, in that many schools did not compete because of COVID. Uh, only around 60% or so of division three schools played men's basketball at any point in time there was no tournament there was a division one tournament there was a division two tournament there was even a, a njcaa tournament i believe there was no division three tournament um so and just for those listening can you explain just division one two and three because now i'm not sure that all of my listeners know what that means sure division one uh, are the typical big name schools uh 
that you would think of if you're holding anywhere in athletics. Uh, so the Dukes of the world, the Kansases of the world, uh, USC, schools like that. Uh, but for the, for the most part, when, you're, when you say Division I school, you're talking about a very large school. Uh, there are a few exceptions to that. Uh, the Ivy Leagues are actually in Division I. But for the most part, Division I schools are large schools, and they give out uh, athletic scholarships as well. Uh, Division II is, I guess, the next tier. Uh, yeah, there are teams which are in Division II which are better than teams in Division I in various sports. But for the most part, obviously, Division I is better than Division II. Um, Division II doesn't have the same capabilities when it comes to offering as many scholarships. Uh, and the schools are generally smaller. Division three, there's no such thing as athletic scholarships. Uh, the schools in division three are typically much more academic based than they are athletic based. Uh, with, there are certainly exceptions and athletics are still huge in division three, uh, but there are e even schools which are big in athletics, like let's say Tufts are major uh, schools in terms of academia. Uh, Johns Hopkins is actually a weird one in that they play both in Division One and in Division Three based on their sport. Uh, but again, that's a small school which is very academic focused, uh, which is strong in athletics, but finds their their, their place in Division Three. Um, so the Max, as a school with around 2,000 undergraduates or so, uh, are in Division Three. I do have to appreciate the fact that you use the term "holding" when discussing if people are understanding about basketball. In case people were wondering whether or not this is a Jewish podcast. <laughs> All right, sorry, I cut you off there. Uh, you can continue. Sorry. Sure. So uh, it was a very weird season. The 2020-2021 season was. Uh, we tried. We tried to play as many games as we could. There were many restrictions on what we could or couldn't do. Uh, at one point, we even tried to schedule, I believe, an an ABA team or semi-pro team or something like that, which didn't end up working out. We had a Division Two top ten team on our schedule, which ultimately did not work out. Um, because of various COVID issues. Uh, we had to have testing both twice a week and on like the morning of games. So there were various obstacles in our way um, and there was no tournament. So in theory, we weren't playing for a championship uh, and we went 7-0. Uh, and that 7-0 season included a few very quality wins against top national teams, but it ultimately it didn't mean anything in terms of being able to win a championship. Uh, but given the 29 games that we won in a row at the end of the 2019-2020 season and the seven games in 2020-2021, um, we currently hold a 36-game winning streak, uh, which is the second longest in Division Three men's basketball history. I believe I, I, on, the women, on the women's side, there's actually a current, I think, 45-game winning streak. Is it UConn? Uh, no, 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 no on, on, in Division Three. In Division Three. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, in Division One, there have been longer winning streaks uh, than the 60, which the d3 record i believe maybe uconn might be one of those let me ask you this before this current streak what was yeshiva's previous longest longest streak so it was that 17 game winning streak in 2018 19 okay uh before that i think it was 10 or so okay. uh, just you can so you can see we went from 10 to 17 to now 36 and going 36 uh, and counting yeah yes all right um, so that's moving from the last couple of years. And I, if you could talk a little bit about Coach Steinmetz, because we actually actually had him on the show uh, basically right after we found out that the season was not going to be returning. So could you talk about uh, Coach Steinmetz's influence on this team and how he kind of built this team? I, I would put it this way. Um, Coach Steinmetz 
entered, I believe in 2014, with a vision which would probably make uh, most of the people who were in that interview room uh, laugh, but I don't think they would be laughing anymore. Um, because I, when, when he spoke it, during that process, uh, when attempting to get the position of, of YU Max head coach, of being a legitimate team on the national stage, that was really unheard of at the time. Um, I mean, even though YU had been known for various things, right? Red Sarashek is a legitimate famous name and was the Max coach for many, many years. Uh, it, even though the Max had had some success on a conference level, uh, some, but nothing major, uh, there was no real indication or thought that we could be anywhere near where we are today. Uh, and part of that process in terms of uh, I wouldn't say turning things around, but putting the Max on a very different path than what they were on previously uh, was a complete turnaround in uh, the style of play. Uh, meaning to say that previously we had been running similar offensive, we, we had been doing th similar things offensively uh, to put it as simply as possible as, as most teams in the country. Um, and Coach Steinmetz brought with him, based on um, the teachings of, of his mentors, a very different style of play, uh, probably the purest motion offense in the country, uh, one which has now taken center stage uh, in the last few years with, with all the recent success which the Max have had. Uh, but from a stylistic perspective, is completely different from anything any other team in Division Three faces on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, and provides us with a, a strong competitive advantage in that sense, uh, especially from a scouting perspective. We are impossible to scout because uh, we don't know what we're doing on any given play until it happens. Um, so we, we can't, we, if we don't know what we're doing, then obviously our opponents don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. Um, so that's probably the most simplistic explanation as to what that is a very simplistic explanation. As a matter of fact, when I'm listening to it, I'm like, wait, what do you mean you don't know what you're doing until the play happens? Yeah, the players, there are certain set rules to the offense, uh, but for the most part, players understand what to do based on how things develop. Um, uh, oftentimes, you, you can clearly see that there are uh, miscommunications in that two players, let's say, run to the exact same spot. And this can happen especially early on in the season, which would never happen in, a, in an offense or would rarely happen in an offense which has set place, uh, but it just happened to be that one player misread what we were doing on the fly and ran to the same spot as a player who read correctly what we were doing on the fly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's completely in, innovative on the spot, um, predicated on, on motion of, of players and motion of the ball. Uh, people in general are not good at following things uh, which aren't in front of their face. Interesting. Uh, how common is this type of an offense? Not necessarily in college, maybe in the pros. Is it, is it that common anywhere? On a pure level like this, it's essentially non-existent. I mean, there are teams which run versions similar to it um, that you'll find descendants of it. Like you can, you can find concepts which are very similar to it. People which, who will claim that they run a motion offense. Uh, but from a, from a pure perspective, there's nothing really precisely like it. One of the teams which we were actually going to play, the Division II team, which I mentioned, uh, which we weren't able to do in 2020-2021 season because of COVID issues, um, 
is St. Thomas Aquinas, which is actually quite nearby to us uh, in, in Washington Heights. They run what they would call a, a motion offense, and it is a motion offense, but it's not pure on the same sense as, as the max offense is. It's, it'd be very difficult for me to explain further without using a lot of complicated language, so probably best to keep it at that. I probably probably need some charts, which probably wouldn't uh, work well on a podcast. Well, also. I, I would say there are no real charts either. Interesting. Um, there's no setness to anything we're doing. All right. I, I, I would like, love to have this conversation offline to just understand what you're talking about. This sounds so cool to me. Um, I would imagine that my, my listeners might not find it as interesting, but I'm very interested in it. Um, let, let's go on to, because you, you did mention about um, scouting, and I do want to kind of shift that into how you guys go about your scouting, not on other teams, but for players. I know this year you guys brought in two grad school students. First of all, is that common, um, especially in D3? And second of all, can you tell me a little bit about these guys and where, where you found them? Okay, that's a good question. Uh, we, the two grads transfers we were referring to, uh, Ethan Lasko and Jordan Armstrong, mm-hmm. uh, are not players who would normally find their way to the max in grad school, given the fact that players only have four years of eligibility. Um, as it happens to be because of the 2020-2021 season due to COVID issues, uh, the NCAA and all divisions granted an extra year of eligibility, uh, what we refer to commonly as the COVID waiver. Um, and so even players who played, uh, such as on the max, Gabe Leifer, got an extra year of eligibility because it wasn't a legitimate full season uh, and or there were issues in having the season uh, from a COVID perspective. So Ethan Lasko is someone who perhaps some of your listeners will know. Um, he played for Katsushiba High School in Boca in Florida for, in, you know, in high school. He came, he played in Sarachek a couple of times, uh, even went up against Ryan Terrell, I believe. Um, and he went to Indiana as a walk-on. Uh, Indiana University is a, is a pretty cautious school in terms of the D1 landscape, Right. Uh, in terms of basketball history. As it happened to be, uh, that team wasn't the greatest of Indiana's teams. Um, but Indiana, by the way, teams. is a quintessential basketball name. And like, that's the Hoosiers. If anybody's ever seen the movie yep. Hoosiers, it's not about them, but it's about how important basketball is in the state of Indiana. Yeah. Uh, and so after that year, uh, Lasko transferred to Manhattan College, which is very near to YU, uh, and played three years there. And he's in Cardozo Law School, and he wanted to continue playing basketball because he can. Um, and so we made that shit happen, essentially. Um, now, Jordan Armstrong is a very different story in terms of his uh, high school background. Um, he went to public high school in Northern California um, and then went to college at Oberlin, which is in Ohio, and has lived, I believe, in Maine for a few years now. Um, and he wanted to go to grad school and was looking for both a place where he could study and a place where he could play basketball, uh, given the fact that he got that extra year of eligibility due to COVID. Um, and so he reached out to the Max and uh, we made that happen too. So it's, <laughs> a, it's it happened due to unusual circumstances. Uh, it's very rare that you get grad transfers. Uh, 
in technically the Max had a grad transfer last year, I guess you could call it, um, in Sammy Merkin, but he didn't play. He, he, he went to Columbia, which is a division one school and didn't play basketball there. Um, he trained, he went to uh, YU for grad school and then played a year of basketball at YU. Um, but he wasn't like a true grad transfer where you're talking about a guy who played basketball for right. three or four years. And now he's, he's transferring both to play basketball and to be in grad school. Um, so very unusual given the specific circumstances we're in. All right. Um, and what, what, uh, what is uh, Armstrong majoring in or what's his, his, his master's degree in? Something in business. I don't know his exact degree. Uh, okay. Something in, in business. Oh, if you said one is in Cordoza Law School, we kind of know what he's going for. Yeah. But, that's uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Now let's talk about the uh, the returning players because that's that's basically everybody else. Uh, look through the roster. I think everybody has already had uh, one year under their belts, at least in Yeshiva. So let's talk about the names we all know. Uh, Lifer, Terrell. Let's get everybody in there. Okay, so let's start with Lifer because he was, he's probably like potentially, if, if any of your listeners have followed the Max, um, he's the, the probably the biggest surprise for possibly for people uh, in that he's back. Uh, he is in grad school in NYU, master's in real estate program. He is a full time PWC uh, employee. Uh, oh, and he's married. He's married too. Uh, <laughs> so, and he's also playing basketball. Uh, because so of the COVID re- recap, working full time at PwC in grad school, and is married, and is playing basketball for for Yeshiva. Okay, and he's studying and he's studying for the CPA. Okay, <laughs> just so. just in case you ever thought you were you were you had a lot on your plate. So uh, that's that's Gabe Lifer for you. Okay, uh, Ryan Terrell is in terms of a next level potential, the biggest name on the max. Um, there is legitimate potential for him to go, if not to the G League, directly to get drafted into the NBA. Um, his skill set transfers very well um, to what NBA teams are potentially looking for, for let's say a fifth guy off the bench. Um, I mean, we're, not, we're not talking about a starter here uh, at, at, based on his current skill set, uh, but not only has he vastly improved in the last three years, and become an even more ridiculously dominant force. And he's the best player in division three, um, but he's also added about 35 pounds of muscle in his time at YU. Um, he is, he's become a completely different body. Uh, one where, when he came to YU at around 160, 165 pounds would never be, you couldn't see him playing at the next level with that frame. Um, now right around 200 or a little underneath and, and legitimately having all that added weight be muscle. Uh, his frame is one which could fit in, in the NBA. Um, so in terms of star power, uh, there's a, a strong argument we made that Gabe Leifer is the most valuable player on the team. Uh, but Ryan Trell is, is the most talented player on the team. Okay. Um, and then in terms of other very important returners, um, Aton Halpert, uh, is really, really, he's really come into his own uh, in the last, in the 2020-21 season at the end of the previous season. Uh, He was a guy who was getting around 10 minutes a game at in the beginning of the 2019-20 season. And then in February, something clicked. February of 2020, something clicked and he bought in. Um, And he became a dominant force afterwards and started in the NCAA tournament. Uh, 
having not started in any game before that. Uh, and his three-point shot uh, is arguably better than his brother Simcha's. Um, Simcha was one of the stars on the 2019-20 season right. who graduated. Um, and he provides a strong defensive presence, especially in terms of his hands, his active hands. Um, he produces many steals. Um, and so he's a key piece. And Ofek Reef is another huge piece. Uh, he had some knee issues last year, so he wasn't perfectly healthy, but I can attest that he's back to normal. Um, he is, in terms of the energy that he brings to the court, uh, it's unrivaled on the team. Uh, and in terms of his athletic abilities, uh, he's 6'1", but he does play like he's 6'5". Uh, and his, his, his athletic ability is, is ridiculous. Um, and defensively, he's a strong presence as well. Those, so those are the, the, the key four returners. Uh, and there are several other important returners as well. But those are the four guys who they have basically guaranteed starting spots on this team. Um, so and, I do, I, I do yeah. want to, because we mentioned that there were, uh, everybody who is on the team this year is a returner, that the only thing that that would be, that would raise a red flag to me is like, okay, what about the future though? We don't, last year we had freshmen that were on the team. This year, there are no freshmen. This year, you're, uh, you're hopefully going to have a very highly competitive team. But what does that say for future years where you don't have that next group of people that are coming through the ranks? It's an interesting question. Um, there are definitely talents on the way um, who are not in college yet. Um, it, I mean, it just happens to be there, are, there aren't freshmen. Uh, right, but right I, I would say this is probably an issue for a lot of programs out there where you have that extra year of eligibility and a team would probably want to keep their star players on if they if they decided to stay in school for an extra year um so this is probably not a, a max specific issue oh, this is not. probably yeah this is probably across the entire spectrum so yeah. there are this this graduate high school graduating class of 2021 is going to have this issue across the board um or, or the people who redshirted last year that yeah. were supposed to be on the team I, this year. I, I would note the max roster from last year was larger than a roster for the max would have normally been. I believe it was 20 or so players. I think okay. this year it's 19. Um, so the roster size is large. And last year we took into account potential COVID issues. Um, and this year we have a lot of returning talent. Right. Um, so even once the big names on this team graduate, Yes. Okay. There aren't any freshmen, but two years from now, you'll see the guys who are sophomores having an impact. Um, and yeah. Okay. Of course there could be, uh, this could be across D3. There could be like one year where the, the level drops off in terms of talent. It could happen. Uh, it, it remains to be seen, but COVID it was just an area, a, right. It was just an area of concern for a team that went through maybe their best stretch in the history of the school. And then in order to keep that momentum going, you want to keep building on that. It's just, that's, that was my primary concern about that question. Sure. Um, so we spoke a little bit about, or a lot of bit about the nuts and bolts of, of it's a lot of basketball conversation. I want to switch a little bit. This is the Jewish living podcast and we're not only covering the max because they're like the highest ranking Orthodox Jewish team 
um, in in the country. But um, I want to talk a little bit about the curriculum that these students are going through. Now, we, we mentioned Gabe Leifer's crazy schedule, but he's not the only one that's going to have to deal with uh, some some abnormal requirements, especially as it relates to like a D3 school, because Yeshiva University has their dual curriculum. They do have a demanding schedule. They're always ranked in the top 50 in U.S. News and World Report in terms of academics. So you're talking about a D3, uh, a D3 school, but a lot is demanded of these students. So can you talk a little bit about balancing, Gabe Leifer aside, uh, balancing the academics and the basketball, and you could even talk about your grad school students or your post your 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 your, uh, your law school students that they have their own very difficult work uh, load to balance. Yeah, I don't know what the work balance of the uh, work the uh, workload is of a grad school person because I'm not in grad school, but at least I can speak to the undergrads on the team, which which comprises the majority of the team. Um, so obviously, taking a dual curriculum. Um, and for them, for most guys taking five classes, potentially six classes, uh, at the same time, uh, practices is probably pra practices is probably the most interesting aspect to, to us in terms of the fact that practices are usually held at 6 30 AM. Um, so before the day starts, there are some practices which are held at night at around 7 PM. Um, there are players who have to miss practices sometimes because they have class, uh, even at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., because of how many credits these students have to take uh, when you consider both their Jewish studies and their uh, their secular studies. Um, so there is that. Uh, I would I would note there are actually a couple of teams in our conference which have uh, weird schedules too. Weird meaning not your typical college. Um, there's both Maritime and Merchant Marine. So we're talking about schools which are sending people to service potentially. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, Merchant Marine, for example, like their guys have to do many days at sea over the course of college. I don't, I don't know how exactly how it works, but they have, they have a very different workload, but very similar in terms of time commitment off the court, uh, which is something unique to several D3 schools. Uh, I, I would add that despite the busy schedules that all these guys have, um, and despite, you know, the fact that they have to practice, you'll find all the guys on the team in the gym outside of practice. Right. Uh, like legitimately basketball is their extracurricular life at YU, uh, especially when you're playing for a program like Yeshiva, where uh, you've got to be always on your game and, order to make sure that you're you're keeping your spot on the team right. um, so I, I would also say that you yeshiva also loses that one day a week uh for shabbos that they don't have any time to do these practices or that's, games that's, so that's that another thing point yeah <laughs> well we don't lose we don't lose the day for games uh we have many 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 saturday night games um well you can we, have saturday night practices too i guess but you can't have a saturday morning practice that's yes we learn we lose it in terms of practice uh, and right. I would I would make the same argument in that we lose it in terms of schoolwork, right? Um, exactly. Oh, so, but you can't have a Friday night game either. That's true. Um, we we once played a Friday morning game. Uh, Interesting. Semi semifinals game where it was supposed to be Thursday night, but it got snowed out. Oh, um, so okay. we had to play on Friday because we couldn't play on Friday morning because we couldn't play Friday night, obviously, and we couldn't play on Saturday night because the championship game would have been on Sunday. So we played on Friday morning. 
but yes, you're, you are you are correct. Uh, but with that said, teams in D3, besides for when they're playing tournaments, uh, do not play back-to-back games. So okay. I, yes, we lose Friday, but we could go Thursday. If we want to play games with only one day in between, we would just go Thursday, Saturday night. Or we could go Thursday, Sunday. Uh, we could go Wednesday, Saturday night, whatever we want to do. So it doesn't overall majorly hurt our schedule, but we do actually have games on days which other schools typically don't uh, and most well or at least most certainly times which most schools do not have um your typical saturday in, in d3 college basketball will feature a lot of afternoon games uh, and not a lot of 8 30 p.m games right let's get into the ways people can view the games this year so you have let, let's talk about the uh the elephant in the room are people going to be able to go to see games in person either road games, home games, what can we, what can we expect there? It's a good question. And I'm sure a lot of people are interested in knowing. Uh, I can speak as to what the current policy, which has yet to be communicated to anyone besides for the people who are in the know is. And now everybody uh, listening is going to be in the know. Yes. I, I cannot confirm that this policy is not going to change. Okay. Uh, but I can confirm that the current policy uh, for men's basketball, Basketball and women's basketball games for the max. So I'm speaking specifically to Yeshiva University, uh, is that the games will be at full capacity with proof of vaccination required, uh, as well as mask required. Okay. Um, and I believe proof of vaccination is done based on whatever the current standards are for for fully vaccinated. So at this point, that's that that is what it is. And in theory, down the line, that could involve a booster shot. It, it depends on whatever whatever local authorities say is, is right. I'm assuming this is a New York state requirement that you guys have to be following. Uh, I'm actually not sure. There probably, there probably is something. Oh yeah. You could could ask Kyrie Irving about all about whether or not that's a New York state issue. Um, but yeah. Um, so the the masks is a YU policy. That's right. Uh, the policies for other colleges vary across the board. Um, and very, heavily across the country as well. Okay. Uh, it, there's no specific one policy. The NCAA does not have a set policy. Division three does not have a set policy. So it depends gym to gym. Uh, from, from what I can tell, most gyms are going to have similar requirements to Yeshiva. Uh, there are certainly going to be gyms which have lesser requirements and there are potentially gyms which won't allow fans. Although I haven't, I don't think I've seen any official statements on that yet. Uh, but then again, a lot of schools haven't put out official statements as to what they're going to do either. Uh, so it would not surprise me if there are schools in the Northeast, which do not allow fans. All right. Uh, and what about watching games online for those of us who probably wouldn't be able to get into the state, into the arena anyway, because we live yeah. far away or because tickets are at a premium. Or if you want to watch the game online, because it's, uh, it looks better online than it does in front of your face. <laughs> um, so with your glasses getting fogged up behind a mask. Well, well, on, on that note, Max Live, which is the place where you can watch all the Max home games, and I'll, I'll get to how, how you can access Max Live soon. Uh, we claim to be, um, but the claim is not matched at this point, uh, the best broadcast in either Division Two or Division Three, um, in terms of talent, personnel, and most importantly, quality. Um, we have a staff overall with Max Live of right around 50 students. Um, so oh, wow. it's a huge, huge production uh, that we're involved in. Um, so the prime, the, the easiest way to access Max Live is probably maxlive.com. Um, the way you spell Max Live 
just to for anyone who might get confused here um, is M-A-C-S-L-I-V-E uh, because the, the Yeshiva team nickname for the Maccabees is the Max spelled with a C-S. Um, so maxlive.com is where you can uh, get all the content which we put out from a written perspective, so many articles, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, other piece of information which you might find important, such as the scoreboard. Um, but most importantly, we embed a link uh, to our YouTube channel, so you can watch the game easily from there. Um, but I would advise also that you subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, so that way you never miss any games or content that we put out there. Um, channel name Max Live. And then we're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we put out content which you can't get anywhere else, um, especially video content. Um, and on all those platforms are at Max Live. And of course, we're going to link to all of those in the show notes and on all of our social medias as well, if you guys want to bookmark any of those pages. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would strongly advise that, that, that for those of your viewers who are not currently following the Max to at least take a look. Um, we're, from a fan base perspective, uh, you will be joining the many, many thousands um, and at some points, tens of thousands of people um, who are following us and creating um, what is at its high points the biggest definitely men's basketball fan base in division three but i believe fan base uh in division three at its height phenomenal um i want you to talk a little bit just last type of last question for me uh about the fan base because this is it's, it's i don't know if it's unusual for this level of fandom for a division three school but you do have kind of a built-in interest in terms of people that didn't go to schools. Usually the biggest fans of schools are their alumni and their current students, uh, children of alumni, things like that. Um, But you guys have kind of this built-in fan base of people that didn't necessarily go to the school, um, don't have anything in theory to do with the school. I'm not an alum. I still watch the games. So can you talk a little bit about your fan base? Yeah, so the simplest way for me to explain how huge the Max fan base is from a numbers perspective is to do this comparison. Um, In the 2019-20 tournament, when we made the NCAA D3 tournament and won those two games before it was canceled, um, Johns Hopkins, who was a host school, uh, played a team called Penn State Harrisburg in a game which went to double overtime uh, and resulted in an upset. Um, Johns Hopkins lost. Uh, And that game had 4,000 unique viewers, which means that over the course of the game, 4,000 unique screens watched. Um, So if on a screen, one person was watching, that counts as one. If on a screen, 100 people were watching, that counts as one. Um, So we're probably talking around six, 7,000 people or so, uh, potentially more. Uh, For the max game against Penn State Harrisburg the next night, there were over 17,000 unique screens, which tuned in. So you're probably talking around 30,000 people. and that was not a double overtime game. We won by 20 points. Uh, so, <laughs> es- so essentially uh, incomparable uh, when, you, when you're t- to other schools. Uh, as That's probably the simplest way to put it. It's, it. it's No other school can generate this type of fan base um, on a high level. Um, I mean, if you look at the max fan base around four or five years ago, uh, it was not a big fan base. It happens to be that people do get interested when you have a team which is enjoying much success and representing the Jewish people with such pride. Um, and so the fan base has grown exponentially over the last three years. Phenomenal. That, that's that, 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 by the way, I will say that of those 17,000, two of them were mine because my phone died in the middle and I had to go take on a computer screen. So uh, uh, count me as a half 
in that case. <laughs> um, I did say the last question. I do have one more question. It is the same question that I asked to Coach Steinmetz when he was on. The the gym that the Max play in has a very limited capacity. Can you see any time in the future where they look to either expand or move their games to a larger venue? All right. Well, I'll answer the second question first. There, we're not moving our games to a different venue off campus. Um, and there is no current venue on campus which could potentially become a basketball gym. Um, as to the question as to whether that capacity can be increased, um, I, will, I will answer by saying that the gym does not have air conditioning uh, built into it. And to put air conditioning in the gym would cost several hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, and that's not being explored at this point. Um, to, to knock down a wall in, in this situation and, and make the gym larger would cost as well probably in the hundreds of thousands of dollars here. Um, so unfortunately, I, I do not see extra capacity uh, being created in that sense. Um, I think we're, we're stuck at around a thousand or whatever it is. Um, the, the, there is space to the outside if you knock down a wall and completely rebuild the thing. Um, but you would actually have to completely rebuild a full site. It would be a mess of an architectural project. I don't know if this happened last year, but what about a large viewing area on the quad outside um, with huge screens and people could watch from there? Is that something that we could do? Yeah. So we did not have such a thing except for the purchase championship game in 2020. Last year, there were no fans allowed and people just watched, I guess, in their rooms or whatever, wherever they lived. Um, for the purchase championship game, I believe there was a viewing party of around 500 in the cafeteria, which is right outside of the gym. Um, but for the max fan base is larger online than it is in person, um, which demonstrates how widespread this fan base is. It's not just uh, in the in Washington Heights that these these fans right. are coming from. Um, it's it's everywhere uh, in the United States and even global. Um, so I, I don't envision that capacity really changing anytime in the near future. Um, it's, it, it would be a huge monetary project. All right. Well, if there's any Gvirim out there in the Jewish Living Podcast listenership that want to donate a good chunk of money to put in both air conditioning and a bigger space, why you would gladly accept that? I, I would appreciate air conditioning. That would be nice. <laughs> air conditioning first and more space second. For, for, like, for the broadcasts, I, I tell my guys who are, who are going to be working the game, uh, I advise you wear shorts um, <laughs> because it can, it can get hot in there. It can be a sauna. Yeah. All right. That's another, another good reason to watch the games online. <laughs> Everybody go online. Nobody come to the game. We need space <laughs> for them to be able to breathe. Um, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Uh, no, I, I just, just a general sense that, that your viewers should understand that, that we are the, literally the Jewish team. There is no other team like this. Uh, most certainly in the United States, uh, which can represent Jewry across the world like we do. Um, and if they're, even if you're not a huge sports fan, that in and of itself is a reason to follow the Max. So it's funny because I did have this conversation also with Coach Simon. It's the only thing that we could think of that came, that, that came close was the Israel baseball team. That kind of glommed onto that, but that's that, that that's it. It's just the Max and yeah. and Israel yeah. baseball, and that's that's also a professional team, which right. is, and and we're talking about, and, and also it's it's besides being a professional team, they have a lot of players who, uh, made Aliyah just to play, just on the to be on the team. team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so yeah, but you're you're right. Um, 
but uh, Akiva, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I wish you guys much success with Max Live and uh, for the Max to do well this season. We're going to be watching. Um, and anybody else who wants to watch, you now have the links to do so. Akiva, thank you so much. Thank you very much. My thanks to Akiva Poppers for joining me this week. If you are interested in hearing a little bit more about YU basketball and just what went on at the end of their crazy 2019-2020 season leading into COVID, I recommend you check out episode 32, Coaching YU Basketball with Elliot Steinmetz. Until next week, Colto. The Jewish Living Podcast is produced by Srelly Pikus. Our theme song is The Band by A.B. Rottenberg. Follow us on Facebook at The Jewish Living Podcast and on Twitter and Instagram at Jewish underscore living. You can also email the show at jewishlivingpodcast at gmail.com. The Jewish Living Podcast is recorded in conjunction with the Queen's Jewish Link.